Ahoy and welcome to the Design That Scales weekly podcast. I'm your host Ben and this is your dose of design tips and tricks to scale your business. On today's episode, I want to talk to you about my top seven mistakes I've made when launching 55 Knots and what has helped us scale from a one-man band, yep, that's me, to a team of 36 full-timers, part-timers and freelancers. Wow! Starting with mistake number one and that is doing it all myself. What? So it was the start of the business in 2019. Okay, so it was the start of 2020 and for the first year, I did the business mostly 100% myself with the help of freelancers here and there. But besides the occasional freelancer, I was all the things. The designer, the creative director, the CMO, admin, bookkeeping, client liaison, problem solver, and sales guy. Are you kidding me? (laughs) To say my days were long uh, was an understatement. What a day. However, in the first uh, few years, I was excited to be challenged by all of these roles as I did leave my corporate gig as I was bored and this was anything but boring. However, no matter how committed I was to scaling, I just couldn't break out or grow beyond what I was doing. I kept thinking if I could just take on more work or land that next big client, I would scale. But it was just leaving me tired, burnt out, with less time to focus on each client and I never quite grew any more than where I was at. I was also training my clients to come to Benjamin Williams' design studio rather than my business 55 Knots design agency. So my business coach recommended I get a virtual assistant, but I was very hesitant. Could I afford a VA? Did I have time to train them? Could I rely on them? Did I have enough work for them? Did I want them speaking to my clients? So the biggest mistake I had was focusing on all the worst case possible scenarios that could come of hiring a VA. Yep, it's my toxic trait. I happen to do it about everything. But what actually happened when I hired a virtual assistant was she freed me up from administrative tasks so I could focus more time and effort on the design tasks. She freed me up to focus more on sales and marketing so I could bring in more key clients. And she also helped me find reliable freelance designers and manage their priorities and schedules so we could take on more work and bring in more revenue. So this VA, also known as Jesse, just celebrated two years at 55 Knots last week Woo! and is now our operations manager, managing the team and daily operations across the business. And I couldn't have scaled the business to where it is today without her. I'm also very proud of her. I loved watching her journey with us over the last two years. So this has also led me to hire more people over time that fill positions that are better suited to them than me, like our COO or Chief Operating Officer, Kurt, who we hired last November, who's helped bring new, a new lens to business and has scaled client retention and also client satisfaction, as well as Raya, who is now a marketing leader who's growing our new acquisitions month on month. All of these hires have been scary to me, um, but they've all turned out to be 100% worth their investment. Mistake number two, being too nice and hiring the wrong people. Okay, so this one kind of counterintuitive, I guess, to the first mistake that I mentioned, but it is still a major learning curve, so I did want to share it with you. And that is being too nice. Yep. I have been so focused in the first two years in being my team's friend. And although I love being their friend and the work culture for the team is great, because of this, it does feel like a family, I did struggle to put the business first when clouded by the friendship bubble. And often it meant that I didn't feel like they needed to be as accountable as they kind of thought, hey, it's okay, Ben won't mind if I do this tomorrow. So now I follow a more healthy 80-20 rule where I want the best for my team and I want to see them grow as individuals, but I need to always put the business needs first. So we do have still good culture, I can be my friend outside of work, uh, and I'm very friendly still 80% of the time, but 20% of the time I do need to put the business first. I've also held on to staff in the past because I liked them and didn't realize the damage they were doing to our, our business in regards to churn based on their poor performance. 
and it was actually costing the business quite a lot of revenue and the marketing it costs to retain those uh, lost customers. Uh, and lastly, I've hired a few people based on what I felt was urgency over what my gut was telling me. So I really needed to fill this position. So I just hired the best of what I had. And often my gut was telling me maybe not. And I should have listened to it because it didn't end up turning out so well. So if your gut is telling you maybe rather than hell yes, I want to hire this person, listen to it. Okay, now mistake number three, relying on external ad agencies. And I do apologize because I know some of our listeners are ad agencies. So this is what normally would happen for me. Oh my God, our numbers are down. I'm going to lose all our revenue and need to let go of staff. What is the quickest solution? Hire that shiny ad agency that's promising the world to me on my newsfeed because, hey, I need leads like yesterday. Again, it's my toxic trait uh, to go to worst case scenario. So that's what I've done probably five or six times over the last two years. Um, so from my personal experience, I did fall into this bubble quite a lot. And I hate to admit it, but I have parted away with a lot of cash to have absolutely no results or very weak results. One time I did spend $6,000 on an email outreach program that secured me a $99 sale. So yes, I did all of this out of catastrophizing worst case scenarios of running out of money and drying. And what I ended up doing was just drying out my accounts in the process where I should have taken a more calm approach to it. So what was my learning here? Good question, Sally. Sally, you always have all the good questions. Oh, yeah. Of course. I didn't actually to start to see success with our ads until I learned how to get ads working for myself. So instead of dropping $6,000 on another ad agency, I did drop a few thousand dollars on an ad management course because I didn't like the fate of our paid ad strategy relying on someone else. I always felt like I was held hostage. And you know what? I don't like to negotiate with terrorists. So doing it myself, I was able to test and learn fast and without relying on someone else. Uh, I was able to trial hundreds of different ads, learn how to write good copy and get the needle moving on my own. Once I knew what to do, it was actually more cost effective for me to bring someone into the business as an internal hire rather than an ad agency. So I would safely say we now don't have an acquisition problem from ads and each month we seem to do better than the previous month without spending anything extra on ad spend. So if you're struggling with ads and have gone down this path, I highly recommend learning about how ads work before engaging with an ad agency or hiring an internal resource. It'll help you out in the long run. Mistake number four, don't neglect your email list. Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it, dude. Uh, This one is a biggie for us. Uh, We definitely don't have the world's largest marketing list. However, we have clients past and present on our email list and others who are warmed up whether they've reached out to us in the past or maybe we did do a uh, free content marketing campaign or they've subscribed to our mailing list directly. So sometimes it's hard to know what to say in your email marketing, but we find when running a promotion by itself, campaigns do okay, but when we run it alongside an email campaign as well, the results are much better. So it helps us talk to old customers and bring them back on as new customers. It's also a great way to tell customers of new features and upgrades. So don't neglect your mailing list, strive to send something once a week. Mistake number five, doing everything manually. So it took me about a year and a half before I finally decided to investigate what Zapier was all about. If you're not sure what Zapier is, it allows you to pass data between your apps, and it's a game changer in terms of manual processes. So this is how we used to do things. For example, someone would reach out, subscribe to our portal, and then we would manually take their mailing address into MailChimp and add them as a contact and tag them as a client, which would auto-generate the welcome email. Yep, you can imagine how many times we forgot to do this 
using automation like Zapier really leaves this on autopilot. So now when someone goes to our checkout, reaches out on live chat, books a demo, or even subscribes to a plan, all their details are pinged around all my apps using Zapier, or should I say zapped around. So now all our apps have the same data. Emails are triggered automatically. Our customer success team have customer details they need in HubSpot and any new client inquiries are automatically added to our email mailing list. So you can save yourself hundreds of hours by integrating automation and it's really not as hard as you think. So check out Zapier. It's just a matter of connecting one app to the other. Don't need to be a tech person to figure it out. And think about all that extra time you have to focus on what really matters. Growing your business, scaling your business and marketing. Mistake number six, being emotionally driven. So this is probably one of my biggest learnings. I think I've said that a few times, but <laughs> this is the, probably the hardest one for me because business is hard and business is certainly personal when it's your baby. Every up, every churned client, every fire needed to douse can often feel like a personal attack on your soul. And this is how I ran my business for the first two years and it served me in some regard. But honestly, it did cost me a lot in terms of my mental health. So we hired a data analysis or data guru in November to help us set some goals uh, for the business. And he really reminded me of the importance of the numbers and what the data says. So for example, we use Stripe primarily in our business as our financial resource. So it tracks monthly recurring revenue, churn customers, trial completions, as well as our retention cohort. And of course, history data, both month to month and year on year. So when things feel tough, uh, we now go into the data to look at what's happening. Now, do we see a dip in retention this time every year? Can we also look at things like retention to see which months brought on customers that were more likely to retain for longer and reflect on what marketing activities or what we were doing in those months? We also look at our average delivery times across the board and use these data insights to make sure we deliver on what we market. And when customers do churn, for example, we uh, look at the data rather than the emotion to figure out what we did what we could do better and why it may have happened. So I used to kind of take the churning customers quite personally. So now our COO actually just tells me the number and the reason why um, so that we can work on it rather than the detailed responses. Uh, I find that helps my mental health a lot more. I still have my days where I go down a spiral and hustle to get shit done, but I much prefer the calmer version of myself who looks at the data first rather than spiraling out of control. And mistake number seven, obsessing over your competitors. So having competition for your business can be healthy. It can drive you to succeed and dominate. But the worst thing I've ever done in terms of scaling 55 knots is when I have been obsessing over what my competitors are doing. What are they saying? What are they putting out into the world? And then using that as inspiration for what we are doing. And of course, doing this without any insights into their data and whether or not it works or not. So what we do these days is we do a lot better now because we dance to the beat of our own drum and do what we feel is right for us as a brand. Oh yeah. I believe it's still good to check out the competition from time to time to see how you compare in value and your point of difference, but I will not obsess over what they are doing and try and mimic it for our business. So these are probably my biggest learnings or mistakes I've made over the last couple of years. And although on the outside, just like everyone's Instagram, it can often look like we are nailing everything that we do but there is a lot of trial and a hell of a lot of error. And I know for certain that this is how we learn and grow and we are bound to make more mistakes just like the tides are certain to ebb and flow. If you want to get in touch about anything I've said in today's podcast, you can email me at benjamin at 55knots.com.au. Otherwise, until next time, fair winds and smooth seas.